Chapter Three of Flower of the Dusk by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Tower of Cologne. Roger sat in Ambrose North's easy chair, watching Barbara while she sewed. I am sorry, he said, that I wasn't at home when your father came over after the book. Mother was unable to find it. I'm afraid I'm not very orderly. It doesn't matter, returned Barbara threading her needle again. I steal too much time from my work as it is. Roger sighed and turned restlessly in his chair. I wish I could come over every day and read to you. But you know how it is. Days I'm in the office with the musty old law books, and in the evenings your father wants you and my mother wants me. I know, but father usually goes to bed by nine, and I'm sure your mother doesn't sit up much later, for I usually see her light by that time. I always work until eleven or half-past, so why shouldn't you come over then?" "'Happy thought!' exclaimed Roger. "'Still, you might not always want me.' "'How shall I know? I'll put a candle in the front window,' suggested Barbara. "'And if you can come, all right. If not, I'll understand.' Both laughed delightedly at the idea, for they were young enough to find a certain pleasure in clandestine ways and means. Miss Mattie had so far determinedly set her face against her son's association with the young of the other sex, and even Barbara, who had been born lame and had never walked farther than her own garden, came under the ban. Ambrose North, with the keen and unconscious selfishness of age, begrudged others even an hour of Barbara's society. He felt a third person always as an intruder, though he tried his best to appear hospitable when anyone came. Miriam might sometimes have read to Barbara while he was out upon his long, lonely walks, but it had never occurred to either of them, through Lawrence Austin's library as transported back and forth by Roger, one volume at a time, Barbara had come into the world-wide fellowship of those who love books. She was closely housed and constantly at work, but her mind soared free. When the poverty and ugliness of her surroundings oppressed her beauty-loving soul, when her fingers ached and the stitches blurred into mist before her eyes, some little brown book, much worn, had often given her the key to the house of content. "'Shall you always have to sew?' asked Roger. "'Is there no way out?' "'No. Not unless some fairy prince comes prancing up on a white charger,' laughed Barbara, "'and takes us all away with him to his palace.' "'Don't pity me,' she went on, her lips quivering a little. "'For every day I'm glad I can do it, and keep father from knowing we are poor.' Besides, I'm of use in the world, and I wouldn't want to live if I couldn't work. Aunt Miriam works, too. She does all the housework, takes care of me when I can't help myself, does the mending, many things for father, and makes the quilts, preserves, candied orange peel, and the other little things we sell. People are so kind to us. Last summer, the women at the hotel bought everything we had and left orders enough to keep me busy until long after Christmas. Don't call people kind because they buy what they want. Don't be so cynical. You wouldn't have them buy things they didn't want, would you? Sometimes they do. Where? Well, at church fairs, for instance. They spend more than they can afford for things they do not want, in order to please people whom they do not like, and help heathen who are much happier than they are. I'm glad I'm not running a church fair, laughed Barbara. And who told you that heathen are happier than we are? Are you a heathen? I don't know. Most of us are, I suppose, in one way or another. 
but how nice it would be if we could paint ourselves instead of wearing clothes and go under a tree when it rained and pick coconuts or bananas when we were hungry it would save so much trouble and expense paint is sticky observed barbara and the rain would come around the tree when the wind was blowing from all ways at once as it sometimes does and i do not like either coconuts or bananas i'd rather so what went wrong to-day she asked with a whimsical smile everything almost admitted roger how did you know because you want to be a heathen instead of the foremost lawyer of your time your ambition is an unfailing barometer he laughed lightly this sort of banter was very pleasing to him after a day with the law books and an hour or more with his mother he had known barbara since they were children and their comradeship dated back to the mud-pie days i don't know but what you're right he said whether i go to congress or the fiji islands may depend eventually upon judge bascom's liver don't let it depend upon him cautioned barbara make your own destiny it was napoleon wasn't it who prided himself upon making his own circumstances what would you do or be if you could have your choice the best lawyer in the state he answered promptly i'd never oppose the innocent nor defend the guilty and i'd have money enough to be comfortable and to make those i love comfortable would you marry she asked thoughtfully why i suppose so it would seem queer though roger she said abruptly you were born a year and more before i was and yet you're fully ten or fifteen years younger don't take me back too far barbara for i hate milk please don't deprive me of my solid food what would you do if you could choose i'd write a book what kind dictionary no just a little book the sort that people who love each other would choose for a gift something that would be given to one who was going on a long or difficult journey the one book a woman would take with her when she was tired and went away to rest a book with laughter and tears in it and so much fine courage that it would be given to those who are in deep trouble i'd soften the hard hearts rest the weary ones and give the despairing ones new strength to go on just a little book but so brave and true and sweet and tender that it would bring the sun to every shady place would you marry of course if the right man came otherwise not i wonder mused roger how a person could know the right one foolish child she answered that's it the knowing when you don't know it isn't it my dear miss north remarked roger the heads of your argument are somewhat involved but i think i grasp your meaning when you know it is then it is but when you don't know that it is then it isn't is that right exactly wonderfully intelligent for one so young barbara's blue eyes danced merrily and her red lips parted in a mocking smile a long heavy braid of hair the color of ripe corn hung over either shoulder and into her lap she was almost twenty-two but she still clung to the childish fashion of dressing her hair because the heavy braids and the hairpins made her head ache all her gowns were white either of wool or cotton and were made to be washed on sundays she sometimes wore blue ribbons on her braids to roger she was very fair he never thought of her crutches because she had always been lame she was simply barbara and barbara needed crutches it had never occurred to him that she might in any way be different for he was not one of those restless souls who are forever making people over to fit their own patterns why doesn't your father like to have me come here asked roger irrelevantly why doesn't your mother like to have you come queried barbara quickly on the defensive 
no but tell me please father always goes to bed early but not at eight o'clock it was a quarter of eight when i came and by eight he was gone it isn't you roger she said unwillingly it's anyone i'm all he has and if i talk much to other people he feels as if i were being taken away from him that's all it's natural i suppose you mustn't mind him but i wouldn't hurt him returned roger softly you know that i know i wish you could make him understand that i come to see every one of you it's the hardest work in the world sighed barbara to make people understand things somebody said once that all the wars had been caused by one set of people trying to force their opinions upon another set who did not desire to have their minds changed very true i wonder sometimes if we have done right with father i'm sure you have said roger gently you couldn't do anything wrong if you tried we haven't meant to she answered her sweet face growing grave of course it was all begun long before i was old enough to understand he thinks the city house which we lost so long ago that i cannot even remember our having it and sold for so high a price that it would have been foolish not to sell it and that we live here because we prefer the country just think roger before i was born this was father's and mother's summer home and now it's all we have it's a roof and four walls that's all any house is without the spirit that makes it a home he thinks it's beautifully furnished of course we have the old mahogany and some of the pictures but we've had to sell nearly everything i've used some of mother's real laces in the sewing and sold practically all the rest whatever any one would buy has been disposed of even the broken furniture in the attic has gone to people who had a fancy for antiques you have made him very happy barbara i know but is it right i'm not orthodox my dear girl but speaking as a lawyer if it harms no one and makes a blind old man happy it can't be wrong i hope you are right but sometimes my conscience bothers me imagine a saint's conscience being troublesome don't laugh at me you know i'm not a saint how should i know ask aunt miriam she has no illusions about me thanks but i don't know her well enough we haven't been on good terms since she drove me out of the melon patch do you remember yes i remember we wanted the blossoms didn't we to make golden bells in the tower of cologne i believe so we never got the tower finished did we no i wasn't allowed to play with you for a long time because you were such a bad boy next summer i think we should rebuild it let's renew our youth some time by making the tower of cologne in your back yard there are no golden bells i'll get you some from somewhere we owe it to ourselves to do it barbara's blue eyes were sparkling now and her sweet lips smiled when it's done she asked we'll move into it and be happy ever afterward like the people in the fairy tales i said a little while ago that you were fifteen years younger than i am but upon my word i believe it's nearer twenty that makes me an enticing infant of three or four flourishing like the green bay tree on a diet of bread and milk with an occasional soft-boiled egg i should have been in bed by six o'clock and now it's gracious barbara it's after eleven what do you mean by keeping the young up so late as he spoke he hurriedly found his hat and reaching into the pocket of his overcoat drew out a book that's the one you wanted isn't it yes thank you i didn't give it to you before because i wanted to talk but we'll read sometimes when we can don't forget to put the light in the window when it's all right for me to come if i don't you'll understand and please don't work so hard barbara smiled i have to earn a living for three healthy people she said and everybody is trying by moral suasion to prevent me from doing it do you want us all piled up in the front yard in a nice little heap of bones before the tower of cologne is rebuilt 
Roger took both her hands and attempted to speak, but his face suddenly crimsoned, and he floundered out into the darkness like an awkward schoolboy, instead of a self-possessed young man of almost twenty-four. It had occurred to him that it might be very nice to kiss Barbara. But Barbara, magically taken back to childhood, did not notice his confusion. The Tower of Cologne had been a fancy of hers ever since she could remember, though it had been temporarily eclipsed by the hard work which circumstances had thrust upon her. As she grew from childhood to womanhood, it had changed very little. The dream, always, was practically the same. The tower itself was made of cologne bottles, neatly piled together, and the brightly tinted labels gave it a bizarre but beautiful effect. It was square in shape, and very high, with a splendid cupola of clear glass arches. The labels probably would not show up so high. It stood in an enchanted land with the sea behind it. Nobody had ever thought of taking Barbara down to the sea, though it was so near. The sea was always blue, of course, like the sky, or the larkspur. She was never quite sure of the color. The air all around the tower smelled sweet, just like cologne. There was a flight of steps, also made of cologne bottles. But they did not break when you walked on them, and the door was always ajar. Inside was a great winding staircase, which led to the cupola. You could climb and climb and climb, and when you were tired, you could stop to rest in any of the rooms that were on the different floors. Strangely enough, in the Tower of Cologne, Barbara was never lame. She always left her crutches leaning up against the steps outside. She could walk and run like anyone else and never even think of crutches. There were many charming people in the tower, and none of them ever said pityingly, It's too bad you're lame. All the dear people of the books lived in the Tower of Cologne, besides many more, whom Barbara did not know. Maggie Tulliver, Little Nell, Dora, Agnes, Mr. Pickwick, King Arthur, the Lady of Shalott, and unnumbered others dwelt happily there. They all knew Barbara, and were always glad to see her. Wonderful tapestries were hung along the stairs. There were beautiful pictures in every room, and whatever you wanted to eat was instantly placed before you. Each room smelled of a different kind of cologne, and no two rooms were furnished alike. Her friends in the tower were of all ages, and of many different stations in life, but there was one whose face she had never seen. He was always just as old as Barbara, and was closer to her than the rest. When she lost herself in the queer winding passages, the boy, whose face she was unable to picture, was always at her side to show her the way out. They both wanted to get up into the cupola, and ring all the golden bells at once. But there seemed to be some law against it, for when they were almost there, something always happened. Either the tower itself vanished beyond recall, or Aunt Miriam called her, or an imperative voice summoned the boy downstairs, and Barbara would not think of going to the cupola without him. When she and Roger had begun to make mud pies together, she had told him about the tower, and got him interested in it, too all but the boy whose face she was unable to see, and whose name she did not know. In the tower she addressed him simply as boy. Barbara kept him to herself, for some occult reason. Roger liked the tower very much, but thought the construction might possibly be improved. Barbara never allowed him to make any changes. He could build another tower for himself, if he chose, and have it just as he wanted it, but this was her very own. It all seemed as if it were yesterday. And, mused Barbara, it was almost sixteen years ago, when I was six and Roger seven going on eight, as he always said. The dear tower still stood in her memory, but far off and veiled, like a mirage seen in the clouds. The boy who helped her over the difficult places was a grown man now, tall and straight and strong, but she could not see his face. 
"'It's queer,' thought Barbara, as she put out the light. "'I wonder if I ever shall.' That night she dreamed of the Tower of Cologne, and the old, enchanted land, where a blue sky bent down to meet a bluer sea. She and the boy were in the cupola, making music with the golden bells. Their laughter chimed in with the sweet sound of the ringing, but still she could not see his face. End of chapter 3